does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. We were talking about good news, bad news when it comes to the Colts yesterday in terms of the bad news was they lost the game. Good news is other teams that needed to win also lost the game. Bad news for the Colts, they didn't take advantage of those losses. Good news, they didn't lose a lot of ground, et cetera, et cetera. For Indiana basketball, good news, bad news. The bad news being that they did not look good against Auburn. The good news is that they got a week to kind of repair from that. Bad news is up next... Number two, Kansas at Assembly Hall, which actually, and Don Fisher joins us now, the voice of the Hoosiers, to talk about Indiana basketball. Don, before we reflect on what I know was not a pretty game against Auburn, the upshot is I love the fact that Indiana and Kansas are doing that series and that you've got a game with the Jayhawks coming into Assembly Hall because it'll just be a great atmosphere, if nothing else. And I think that it's a great learning opportunity, obviously, for Indiana to see how they bounce back. But let's begin simply with the fact that it's pretty darn cool for IU and Kansas to be playing in December. Well, it always is. Um, it's it, it's it's the same scenario if Indiana was playing Kentucky, and they should be, but they're not. Um, but it's it is a great thing that these two programs are are playing each other. Obviously, Kansas is one of the premier programs in the country and has been for many many years now. Yeah, is trying to get back to that point where they were traditionally one of the best in the country through all the Bob Knight years, and since then it's been kind of up and down in that regard. So uh, without question, it's a great opportunity for this IU basketball team. Don, Saturday with Auburn, I guess I'll ask this in simplistic fashion. Was that game more about what Auburn did or more about what Indiana could not do? Well, in my opinion, it was more about what Indiana could not do because they didn't they didn't take the punch and get up and and do something with it. You know, they just didn't get back up off the floor after they got knocked down. Uh, they they started out with like a, a rocket, uh, knocked down four threes, which we haven't seen that very often this year for this ball club, uh, and got out to a twelve point lead. Uh, you know, early in the first half, and then. Uh, the roof caved in because Indiana, I, I, and I don't, I can't tell you the reason why. All I can tell you is that Auburn turned up the temperature on this ball game from an energy standpoint, and Indiana didn't match it. And from that point forward, Indiana never did match their intensity level, uh, with the exception of maybe the first few minutes of the second half when Malik Renu took, you know, when scored I think eight straight points and. And kind of got Indiana back within the realm of 10 points or so. But from that point forward, again, the push by Auburn was tremendous and Indiana didn't respond. You know, the the easy answer here, Don, I realize is going to be outside three-point shooting. And that might be a theme all year long, to be honest with you, you know, especially with Xavier Johnson out right now. But for Indiana, it's interesting because you look at that and I could see why people would look at this and say, oh, man, they got boat raced by Auburn, you know. Well, they're still seven and two. They're two and zero in the league. They've got a week off now. If we're going to take outside shooting off of the board here, in terms of possible answers that you can write down in Final Jeopardy, what is the what? What's the thing that's missing, if anything? I mean, do is this game? Does that show you something that could be problematic? That is a major area of concern, and one thing that jumps out, or do you simply kind of write it off as you know what? It wasn't their day. 
and in totality, they're not in terrible shape. I, I think that you're correct in the latter stage here. And the latter thing you said there is that I don't think this is a ball game you can just say, and well, that's the end of the season for Indiana. <laughs> I think there's just too much, too many games to be played. This is we're not even a third of the way through the schedule at this point, and Indiana's played the roughest part of their schedule here in the last couple of weeks, uh, along with the Kansas ball game upcoming. Uh, that said, Indiana didn't do a very good job against Auburn in responding and holding their energy level at a at the same rate that Auburn put out in the floor. It, it was. It was a poor performance. I can't say anything else, and I don't think Mike Woodson would try to say anything else, but it was really a bad performance by his ball club. But at the same time, there is still a long process to be had here before we get into Big Ten play, lots of practice time available with uh, you know classes being over with after this week because of semester exams, and then uh, three ball games, I think, leading up to the start of Big Ten play once again. So uh, it's too early to to start putting stamps on this team and where they're at and those kinds of things. They still have a long way to go, but I still think they've got the talent to get there. Hey, Don, it's Brendan. I know three-point shooting is not necessarily his avenue, but Anthony Walker is pretty good in limited minutes. 13 minutes, 9 points, 5 rebounds, 2 blocks. So, if any, how can his role continue to expand? Well, that's up to the coach. Uh, obviously, I think, uh, like you, I think he's played really well off the bench for this basketball team at this point. Uh, I Everything I've seen about this guy is that he's a really good athlete, number one. He knows how to play, number two. He's a veteran, so he's been there, done that, played a lot of the big teams in the SEC and, and the ACC and those kinds of programs when he was at Miami. So I look at this I look at this guy as a guy that can really help this ball club continue, and I think his role off the bench is, is expanding at this point, and it may turn into a starting role at some point as well, although Mike is – uh, reticent to do that with his starting lineups. He always keeps that starting lineup about the same, almost like he did last year uh, the entire season. And he, I, I don't think he likes to change the starting roles for guys for whatever reason. I'm, that's, I'm just pointing out what how he's been up to this point. But I think Anthony Walker is one of those guys that can really help your ball club in so many different ways. He's not the greatest outside shooter in the world, but he's not afraid to take one if it's there, and he can make it every now and then. And he's really good inside. And his defensive play, I think, has been solid. His rebounding has been solid. So uh, right now he's helping this ball club. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Don, when you look at the options in building a schedule... You can go on the road. You can take on, you know, another Power Five conference team like like Auburn, and all hell breaks loose and the roof caves in on you. But you're still seven and two. Or you could book that game against, you know, a lower tier team, win by thirty and get your bench some minutes. There there are still things that can be learned from the first if you were to lose as they did to Auburn. But the question is, does this team have the emotional maturity and strength to take the learning examples from it and not get scarred by it to the point where the confidence is rattled against a Kansas and then heading in further into conference play. Is this team mature enough to be able to learn from and not be scarred by that kind of loss? Well, I think they can be that Jake. It's just, it's a hypothetical and I can't answer the question. There's no way to, to dictate that one way or the other. I do think that they've got maturity on this team 
in the sense of Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway. And, and Renew is a sophomore, of course, and he looks like he's really improved this year. Uh, and you've got the smart kid like Gabe Cups, who's played, I think, really, really well throughout this early part of the season. Walker's played well off the bench. So they've, they've got, and they've got Peyton Sparks, who's been around the block uh, for a couple of years at Ball State prior to this as well. Uh, we're going to have to find out. This team has not progressed uh, at this point to give us the personality that it actually has because I think they're still in a learning process, and that's part of the the deal right now. Can they learn from this loss? Uh, Absolutely, and they better learn from it or they're going to be in trouble. But to to predict at this juncture where they're going to be at here in another couple of weeks, it's just hard to say, and hopefully – uh, this game against Kansas will get everybody revved up and, and show the kind of energy level that you need when you play a top five or, or even a top 25 team. And I think Auburn certainly deserves to be in that uh, category simply because of how they played against Indiana. Don, I want to go back to a year ago. Don Fisher, the voice of the Hoosiers, is our guest. Indiana up next this Saturday, so almost a week off now before Kansas comes calling. Um, you know, a year ago, we all knew, everybody in the country knew, that the straw mixing the drink for Indiana more often than not was Trace Jackson Davis and what he was able to do. And yet his Robin on the block, if you will, was Race Thompson, who always seemingly was in the right spot to help him and then, if need be, could elevate his game and be the guy in spurts as well. Malik Renew watched all of that. And it seems to me that in his sophomore year, a guy that came in as a, as a very – profiled five-star level recruit in Malik Renew has really adapted well to understanding that now perhaps on the low block it is Khalil Ware that is the main focus but Renew has been the most consistent how much of watching what I just talked about from last year do you think has benefited his game this season well I think a lot I mean Malik obviously went up against Trace a ton in practice last year and he went up against Race as well so he, he's been battling these big guys for a, 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 plus, a year plus now at this juncture, and I think he understands his role better this year. The other thing, that Malik, Malik had some maturing to do, and, and he had to learn how to take coaching. And I think that process took place last year and was part of the reason he plateaued you know, uh, at past the first seven or eight ball games of the season and didn't play very well up until the last seven or eight ball games of the regular season throughout the uh, and then the tournament so I, I just think he learned a lot from last season I think Malik is a guy who figures it out and thus far I think he's done that and he's still got a lot of work to do I don't think he handles double teams uh, very well at this point uh, sometimes he does sometimes he doesn't and he hasn't been a double teamed a ton in his career either so he's just figuring some of these things out he's still a young player but he is the most in my mind the most improved player on this ball club from a year ago. Don, Don would you even know what to do for a week here with with like nothing going on? <laughs> I mean, you're you're, you're like you're getting done here. You're on the you're in the midst of like a Cal Ripken streak here. <laughs> well, certainly, without question, uh, it's nice to have a week where we don't really have all that much to do, despite the fact we do have a talk show tonight <laughs> uh, with Coach Woodson. But other than that, no games this week. And really, we've got a pretty easy schedule through December now because we've only got three more games after this Kansas ball game in the month of December. So we've got a little time to spend and get back a little more relaxed than what we have been over the month of November. When you're around Mike Woodson and doing the coaches show, Don, do you see, you know, to give people kind of a glimpse behind the curtain, I guess, 
does does the mood or the lightness in any way vary from win to loss, or is he a pretty even keel approach guy from one game to the next? Well, I think he is pretty even keeled, and and that's kind of how he comes off as a person. Uh, I think he gets a little animated more so in games, but you just don't see it away from the floor. Um, He's a pretty even keeled guy. He's pretty soft-spoken most of the time. I don't think he takes umbrage at all the things that are said by the media and things like that. I think he handles that stuff really well. Um, but Mike's a very confident coach. He believes in what he does, what he what he's capable of doing from a coaching perspective. He's had a ton of experience, of course, throughout the NBA years that he spent in that league, both as a head coach as an assistant. So uh, you know, and he's he's at a point in his life now where he, I think he thinks college basketball is just fun. I think he's having a, a ball doing this, and I think he's enjoying it immensely. Again, Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson will air tonight after the Pacers game. Pacers in Detroit, and then immediately following that here on The Fan, you will hear Don's conversation with Mike Woodson and then the Hoosiers in Kansas coming up on the 16th at 12.30. You can hear that over on our sister station, WIBC. Don, appreciate the time as always, and good luck with all the Christmas shopping that you have to catch up on this week. (laughs) Susie takes care of that for the most. (laughs) I have to worry about it. I give money. (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you, you, you made the money the last couple of weeks with everything going on, and now you just shell it all out, Don. We appreciate it. Exactly. Thanks, guys. See you. All right, that's Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yesterday in Cincinnati, boy, the Bengals were born to run, that's for sure, and the Colts couldn't run the ball. Although, I'll tell you what, it's not like Cincinnati had a great running game, but they were able to get their playmakers in space. Colts just were not. Mike Chappell now, CBS4 and WXIN59 joins us. Chap, I guess the first question would be this. Um, y- yesterday, was that like the, you know, because you're coming off obviously a good stretch for the Colts. Was yesterday just the anomaly of just bad day overall? Or did a lot of things that the Colts have been playing with fire with finally burn them? Uh, yes. <laughs> Again, the, the, the issue with this team is they can't play uh, – you know, see ball and expect to overcome the deficiency. You can't have Hendrickson kind of working your left tackle. You can't have penalties. You can't have, you know, missed kicks. You can't have all that stuff, you know, the, the shot plays and get by. And again, I'm not, I'm not diminishing the four game winning streak at all. You know, you, you take what you can get and, and all this, but it just sort of, any given Sunday type of thing, I guess. And it'd be easy to say, well, let's flush that one, move on. Well, and, and what's really crazy is it it didn't help their playoff push, but they're still there in the playoffs. I mean, what it could have done is, is amazing, but you can't say, well, but everybody else lost too. Well, yeah, but you only got four weeks to go. So you have to take care of your business. I think it was, it was just one of those days. But yes, it just it just kind of – spotlighted, focused deficiencies, and that needs to be a one a one-off, although the run game's been a two-off. Uh, they, can't, they can't endure another one of those over the last month. Can't do it. 
I thought yesterday the offensive line, in particular on the left side of it, struggled, chap. And Fair. you know, Quentin Nelson at times, you know, whether it be penalties or or having an errant moment. Is that about Quentin Nelson, or is it perhaps Quentin Nelson realizing that there is struggle going on beside him, and then all of a sudden, you know, one domino affects another domino, and now all of a sudden it's out of control? I I think that was the case last year with Ryan being a rookie and being thrown into the fire, and this year not so much. I mean, I think Ryan's played really, really well. I mean, really well until until Sunday. And that's the unforgiving nature of the NFL at certain positions. Cornerback, left tackle. You have a bad. You, you know, you have three bad plays, and you can cost your team. You have a bad game, and and this, it's the domino effect of things happening uh, with with a forced fumble, with a sack, forced fumble, with a with an interception, whatever. No, I, I don't. I, I can't blame that on on. I can't blame Quentin's issues on 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 that. Last year, yes. This year, no. Uh, but then he has a holding penalty on a on a touchdown run. Well, then your argument is, well, it wouldn't have been a touchdown if he didn't hold. So, so what what are you what are you arguing about? But it, it was just when you're trying to find positives. Okay, Pittman had eight for ninety five. Okay, and th- this is this is the historian part of me. I was begging them to get him five more yards. It would have been his third straight 100-yard game. There's only been three guys in franchise history with three straight 100-yard games. And one of them's not Reggie Wayne. He's never done it. So it would have been a cool thing, and now all of a sudden you got to go back and start it again. But there just wasn't much to hang your hat on. Pass protection, run game, the pass rush with 21 sacks in four games. They did virtually nothing. Give a chunk plays. Special teams was a was a dumpster fire, and they you know what I wrote about was they they had gotten to this point with complimentary football, and yesterday it took everybody to play that poorly. Hey, chap! If there's one thing for sure, they've been right about. I mean, two picks in three games, pick six yesterday. Ronnie Harrison Jr. I know he's never going to be called the replacement for Shaq Leonard, but I mean that was the transaction. Leonard got waived and Harrison got brought up, so. I mean, if there's one thing for sure about Ballard, he just continuously is able to help develop linebackers. What say you? Yeah, and, and you know, I, th- I thought they missed EJ Speed yesterday because he, he had sort of uh, uh, quieted down the check needed to play more type of things because EJ Speed has played well and then he's out. So, yeah, they, they've done a really good job of that. And, and the takeaways, what, they had a, was it 18 straight games? They've had one now. And that, that's really encouraging, uh, but but to, you, you still you've got to get a pass rush. You just holy smokes! You got Jake Browning, who's looking like you know Joe Montana, which a lot of quarterbacks will look good when you don't put a lot of steady pressure on. I think they had no sacks and maybe three pressures. So, but no, it, it, that's that that is where you sort of look. Like I mentioned, Pitt, when you look for these, yeah, but on the positive side, he was one. Oh, that's two. That's two takeaways he's had, and that's two more than Shaq had all year. You know, not to pile on Shaq. So th- that's encouraging. But from talking to the coaches and coordinators today, the, the the theme was undeniable. Sort of flush that and move on. You know, yes, you take you, you go back and use it as a teaching tool on what you did wrong, and there was so much. 
But then you then you got to play Pittsburgh on Saturday, and the Steelers are a team you've beaten. Gosh, what three or four times ever? So so it, it, it it's a major it's must wins. You know, must wins come in like levels of degree. This is pretty serious must win with all the uh, seven. What is there six seven and six teams and Cleveland's eight and five and. Normally, head to head is a major is a major tie break. It's not so much when you've got this many teams. But the the, the one edge right now that Pittsburgh's got over the Colts is conference record. It's, it's conference. It's, it's it's convoluted. They've got the edge. You do not want to fall uh, back in the conference with Pittsburgh and lose another head to head that you've already lost. Cleveland head to head. Cincy head to head. Jacksonville head to head. It makes it tough. This is such a uh, three-level above must-win, and it's at home, and Pittsburgh's got injuries like every other team at major positions. But this is one on Saturday afternoon. You find a way. I don't care if it's an ugly, you know, 12-9 to like Denver last year. This is one that if if you have a serious, you know, chance to make the playoffs, it's got to start. Saturday against the Steelers. It has to. Mike, I want to go back to something that you just because for our listeners that might be curious, you had mentioned that Michael Pittman was denied the opportunity for his third straight 100-yard game, correct? Correct. And you said only three receivers have done that previously for the franchise, correct? Correct. So I'm going to guess I don't know this, so I'm going to okay. guess. And I'll play the law of averages because you said Reggie Wayne is not one. I will say Marvin Which Harrison, I, I checked, Raymond I Barry, T.Y. Hilton. What's that? I, checked three t- I had to check three times on Reggie. I thought, sure he did. No, he didn't. Okay, so I'll go T.Y. Hilton, Raymond Barry, and now I'll, I'll give you a curveball. I'll go with Hilton, Barry, and Marvin, but when Marvin got hurt in Peyton's rookie year, Torrance Small became Peyton Manning's safety net, and that would be the curveball I would throw in as a possibility. But hit me with the three that have done it. Yeah, the three that you mentioned, the three. Okay. With Marvin, uh, T.Y., and Raymond Berry. And, Ray, and Marvin did it like, gosh, seven times, eight I was times. <laughs> I was going to so, say. I mean, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, really? <laughs> I was going to say, you don't, you know, Marvin Harrison is one of those guys, and, and I think perhaps. Mike, watching his son play is what reminds you of it, although his son is is bigger and more physical than was Marvin. But um, I'm not going to say we took him for granted, but we kind of took him for granted, right? I mean, oh. just in terms of the greatness we were watching. I go back and during that stretch, I, and I tried to tell people, you know, enjoy this. This isn't this isn't normal football. You know, Peyton would throw for 303 touchdowns, anything. God, is that all you got? Uh, and there were games, I remember, he had like six touchdowns against the Saints and six touchdowns against the Lions, and he didn't play the fourth quarter. But Marvin was – he was a guy. They they did it – Marvin, Edrin, all those guys, they did it so routinely. And, and Marvin had that, that kind of like – sort of like remember Roger Brown to where it was just are, – are you not trying? No, it's just so smooth the way that they perform. And when I, it's funny, when I watch Marvin Jr. play, he's got his dad's posture at the line of scrimmage, sort of a little bit hunched over in the arms that is, you know, down, but he's he's so much bigger. I look at uh, Devontae Smith of the Eagles, and I see Marvin. I, I really do with, with how they play, but 
I, I you know, I, looking back, and that was such a special time with special players. Yes, Peyton was. He's got a statue for crying out loud. I've got a statue. I don't know. You probably do somewhere, maybe <laughs> in your backyard. But but it was such a special time with the talent level. Not just well, Robert Mathis is, is the franchise's uh, sack leader. No, it's what these guys did league wide, and how they rank league wide and Hall of Fames and this that, and the other. And that's why when when you can get a chance like a Pittman. You know, he falls one reception short last year of getting 100. And, you know, well, you know, down the road, that that's how you're sort of remembered is how many 100 yards and all this stuff or how many 100 catches and all that. So it would have been kind of cool. It would have been totally lost in, in, in the garbage that went on everywhere else. But, you know, in five years, nobody cares that he had three straight. And, oh, by the way, in the third one, they got, you know, boat raced. But uh, no, just, again, when I, when pe- these guys do this, just enjoy it and, and, and uh, enjoy it and appreciate it, because sometimes it's really, really special. And the stuff that those guys did, Marvin and Reggie and Peyton and Dallas and all, everybody, was special. And that's why you hope that some of these guys to get Jonathan Taylor back and healthy and get another eighteen hundred yard season and. and and Michael Pittman, if they can get him locked up, what well, he might be able to do long term, that and that's what the game is. It, it's it's those four, five, six players that you, you, you need. This is not a this is not a criticism. You need Jack Doyle. You need that player on your team because how valuable he is doing everything. But you got to have those five or six players. One of them needs to be a quarterback. To, to, to really separate you and make the plays that other players can't make because God didn't say you're going to be able to make this play when you're 25. So hopefully this team can get more of those, those special players because this league's all about special players and five or six plays in a game that make a difference. And they've shown some of that, but not, not consistently. Mike, when you look at to that point, Let's go to the tight end position. I thought yesterday Will Mallory, when his number was called, played well. Um, is this about the Colts trying to have flexibility at the tight end position, and that's why we see this rotation between Ogletree and Moali Cox and Mallory and you know the different guys that are running in, in Granson? Is it about nobody has jumped up and seized that position, or are they wanting to have a consistent rotation and then I'll follow up with a question about Mallory. But go ahead with the first part. Yeah, that's a good question because it's sort of been the Baskin Robbins thing. You know, who's next? And it sort of has. You know, injuries have really totally disrupted, disrailed uh, Jelani Woods and Drew Ogletree's been in and out. Mo has really been. It's hard to know how to how to describe it. He 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 certainly hit his ceiling. A couple of years ago, which which is which is you know that's fine, but he's not really taken that step that people really anticipated. He'll he'll give you those plays every now and then. I mean he's, he's had two pretty big plays the last couple of weeks with the fourth down and then the touchdown. Mallory in Granson's played well, but all of a sudden Mallory seems to have taken some spots, some reps, and targets uh, from, from Granson, which which 
you know, you look at you look at Mallory and you think, maybe, yeah, is he is he a Kobe Fleener type of player? You know, I don't know. But it's it's I don't know whether no one has really stepped up and, and taken that role by the horns, or whether they just don't know who they've got or what they've got with each player. But at least they've got options, and at least they're getting production from multiple players. Granson's the one that I think I'm a little surprised they've not got they've not used more. I'm not going to say got, not got more out of, but but used more because he's shown that hybrid tight end receiver type stuff. Uh, but but this offense seems so herky jerky. With boy, it's, it's going to be Michael Pittman getting twelve targets, and then we'll see. It, it's a couple to Pierce, and all of a sudden Josh Downs is is not as much of a of, of a factor, and but it, not not exactly on point. But until they get the run game fixed, this is going to be a major struggle on offense because you cannot. I I, I don't trust the quarterback to carry this team with 40 passes and 250, 300 yards. I just don't. They've got to get back to running the football. And that's before Jonathan Taylor gets back. What, he's supposed to miss two or three games? I, you know, Maybe he plays this week. I, I don't know. But they've got to get this run game fixed or it's going to be a major struggle the rest of the way. You know, the, the other point about Mallory I wanted to ask, Mike Chappell is our guest from WXIN, Fox 59, and CBS 4. Um do we know yet, Mike, whether or not Mallory can be I, – I think you're right in terms of Jack Doyle and the fact that Doyle was such a good blocker, right? He was such a good blocking tight end. And even like when Dallas Clark was catching a billion passes or when Dwayne – or when Kobe Fleener was used as a receiver, you had Ben Hartsock or Dwayne Allen to like be a big body on the line to, right. to alleviate that a little bit. And it seems like this group, nobody has emerged of that yet. Do we know yet whether or not Mallory can also offer some some blocking on the line, or is he specifically a receiving tight end? I don't think they know yet. Uh, and, and as a rookie, maybe it's hard to kind of expand that guy's role. I mean, when you see uh, the heavier package, I mean, Mo Ali Cox is always out there, you know, Ogletree. Uh, is probably number two in that, and, and then maybe Mallory, but he seems right now to be more of the intermediate uh, uh, target, and I, he's played well. He's, he just played well. I don't know that that he would be one of my top two choices in, as a blocking tight end right now, but that's fine because you just I don't know how you would know because I, I don't know that that's what, what his role was that much in college or, or, or if that's where you excelled, but I, I think as, a, as that Jack Doyle type of guy, and I'm not even putting him in Jack's, you know, category at all because Jack was. You know, we always made fun of Jack being, you know, Jack 7.9 yards of Doyle. Well, that's when it's when it's third and six or third and seven. I'll take seven nine. Uh, but but they they need to have that guy, and I. It, it's funny, like you mentioned, they really haven't decided, settled on who that is. Maybe they don't think they need you. Maybe they can keep spreading things around. I'm one. I'm one of those guys that I kind of like to know what roles are, just because that's that's how I'm wired. But but as long as they're getting contributions from somebody in that group, th- then they're fine. Uh, but again, like I say, until they can get this offense kind of back in rhythm and and, and be more who they need to be, maybe this is what we're going to see from tight ends, even from receivers. Because right now, again, it's it, it's 
it's Michael Pittman, and then we're going to just sprinkle it here and there, and that's fine for Pitt, and he'll get his 100 catches and 1,100 yards and all this stuff. But they need, it needs to be more to more where it's 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 more balanced and more, you know, you know this guy's got a chance to get five or six targets, and this guy's going to get three or four, and that's not where they are right now. Chap, the Titans play the Dolphins tonight, but Jake and I were talking to start the show. What's your reaction to the AFC South yesterday? I realize it was a bad day for a lot of teams in the league, but the Jaguars losing to Joe Flacco off the couch. The Joe Texans, Flacco, that's incredible. Incredible. The Jets or the Jets pounding the Texans. Zach Wilson somehow does it. Just what's your reaction to the AFC South laying an egg yesterday? Missed opportunity. M- major missed opportunity. What a if the Colts find a way to win, they're tied for first in the division. Uh, yes, with not having the tiebreaker, but you know, maybe the Jaguars are going to struggle moving forward with 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 the Lawrence in the ankle. I don't know, but it, that's why I say it's well. Everybody else lost. Yeah, but there's only you know there's is, there was only five games to go, and you're running out of time to where, yeah, we suck, but everybody else did too. That's that's fine in October. Now you really. You can't be leaning on or hoping other teams lose. So, but no, amazing. It's it's just crazy. And hey, maybe Tennessee beats Miami tonight. You know, probably not. Uh, you know, they, they may drop seventy on them too. But that that's the problem is is missed opportunities and and where that would have set these guys up had they won. But that, but again, we've we've talked about that. That that's who this team is. Unfortunately, not not yesterday. That that was beyond the pale of who they are. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be, you know, a masterpiece. But they've been finding ways and they've been avoiding the major, you know, bad plays and series and, and quarters. And But if they can just kind of get back on track. Again, the schedule moving forward, my goodness, it, it's it, as we've said, the schedule is begging these guys to make the playoffs. With injuries, you know, I, I haven't seen the update, but is T.J. Watt still in protocol? I think he is, so we'll see if he makes the game on Saturday. And things have just fallen Well, Kenny Pickett's place. out. Uh, you know, I mean, you're going with Trubisky again, well, right? That's what I mean. And if he gets dinged up, they go to Mason Rudolph. So, so you know, it's it's just there for him. And, you know, I saw C.J. Stroud had a concussion where he was kind of knocked out. So, you know, maybe he doesn't play this week for Houston. It's just there, but but that it, but it still comes down. Take care of your business, and, and you know, I would think if they win three of their next or their last four, they're probably in because of the way other things would fall. But you got to win three or four. You know, if you win all four of them, I'm guessing you're in. I've not gone that far down the rabbit hole because I've got a life and I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, but but it's there. That, that's what's so crazy is bad as as bad as it was top to bottom start to finish yesterday except for 25 seconds it's they're still if the old if the season ended today they've got the what the the seventh seed the third wild card and they would be going to whoever's number two seed right now which again i haven't looked at that because again i've got a life but but the fact that you can endure that game and still be right there it, it, it tells you one how how unpredictable the AFC is with all the injuries and the quarterbacks and all this and the other, but but just including you know this, this team lost their quarterback too, and Jonathan Taylor's played roughly what five games uh, without you know you know being eased back in, 
So it, it's really kind of amazing that they're there. So, you know, take advantage of it. Don't, don't be sitting there in February thinking, man, if we just hadn't lost that game to whomever, you know, in the last four when we shouldn't have, uh, we'd be playing. But th- th- it, it's, it's all about opportunity, and, and it's, a, it's up to these guys to take advantage of it. Mike, did Cincinnati expose anything about the Colts that were previously not concerns? Or if you are the Colts, do you look at it and go, okay, the areas that cost us yesterday were areas we knew were of issue for us? Or did they all of a sudden show something where if you're the Colts, you go, oh boy, now all of a sudden the secret's out about that and we were hoping to mask that until the end? No, I I don't know what it would have been. Matt Gay missing two kicks? No, I mean, that didn't... I think that's a bad day by the kicker. It was a windy day, and I think that was that. But everything else, the ring game has been sort of hit and miss. Uh, now, the offensive line had a bad day, uh, but that's primarily in my mind because, you know, the left tackle had a, had a, his worst game of the year. But, no, everything that we've seen is, is – everything that, that hurt him yesterday, we sort of have had issues with. You know, the, the, the chunk plays, the screen passes, those haven't been that prevalent to hurt these guys. But, you know, pass protection, sometimes it has been leaky. The, the run game sometimes hasn't been there. The pass rush for as great as it's been the last month sometimes has gone away. So, no, I know what you're saying. And, no, I, I think it just sort of – it was a case of, man, every, it's one of those where everybody picked a bad day to have a bad day. And uh, you can't flush it. you got to learn from it. But I just would be surprised if they have another one of those. Every team has a, has a stinker. Again, Denver gave up 70. 70. Uh, everybody has a bad day. You just can't have – too many bad days when you only play 17 games. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. As it stands right now, in conclusion here, Mike, you've got the Ravens at 10-3, and three, followed by 9-3 and three Miami, 8-5 and five Kansas City, 8-5 and five Jacksonville, 8-5 and five Cleveland, then Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Houston, and then Denver, the Bengals, and the Bills are all right there, also at 7-6. and six. So tiebreakers come into play there. Of the teams that I just mentioned to you, tell me the best team in the AFC and tell me the scariest team in the AFC. Best team in the AFC, uh, Baltimore maybe. Baltimore, Miami, I just don't know that that offense is going to sustain. They're going to have a bad day against a good team. Baltimore, maybe. The scariest team's Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, Man, their schedule's brutal, Mike, but that was impressive last night. I totally understand. I don't think they make it because of the schedule. If they get in, they got a quarterback that's just going to say, to hell with you, I'm going to win a game. (laughs) That's the team is the scariest, and that's the team probably that won't get in. To hell with you. That's the theme of the day right there. To hell with you, right? (laughs) You know, you didn't talk about it, but – did you see the clip of Mahomes greeting Josh Allen after the game, and he's bitching about the offsides call? That was crazy. What do you think, what do you think Josh Allen's saying? Hey, pound sand, baby. We beat you guys. Right. You no talking? question. Right. He didn't say anything. He, he just kind of looked at him. Uh, you're supposed to say, hey, in a good game, we'll see you later on, and, and you get the quarterback for the team bitching because his receiver lined up offsides. Can you imagine the hellfire? If the officials didn't call that offside, then that play happened. Unbelievable. 
He was offsides. He lined up offsides. And it, to me, it was pretty clear. I, you know, and I sure. get. Here's what I don't get. And I like Mahomes. I mean, he's a wonderful talent, no doubt. But like after the game, Mahomes. This is what has always bothered me, Mike. Is when people say not. Hey, that was not a violation, but rather, right. yeah, that was a violation, but it's one that normally you get away with. Okay, well, it's still, you know what I mean? You yeah. still traveled. You, you still double dribbled, you know, whatever, right? Well, and what's crazy is you look at the play, and it's true. If you watch about every other play, and you see a receiver line up, and he looks at the official and says, okay? And, you know, the guy, he'll give him a, hit, a, a thumbs up or say, no, move back. Look at Tony. He never one time looked at the official to say, am I okay? Or am I like you know? Correct. That's the big thing, right? Over the line, right? So you know, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It was a it was a penalty, but boy, you don't call it there. Well, why not? Can you again, like I said, can you imagine the Buffalo side if they don't call an obvious penalty? Crazy. Now, Mike, I'll, I'll leave with this. I, I know that yesterday was the first time that people, for a lot of people, were familiar with leverage. Now, right. if I'm not mistaken, that used to be called leaping. And leaping actually bought the Colts a second lease on Rice. life in the most famous Indianapolis Colts regular season victory of all time. Simeon Rice, leaping, yep. <laughs> the I leaping know. in Tampa that kept alive the Monday Night Miracle. Um, and then and Vandy bounces the, the game runner off the upright. Oh, so. I remember that. It's like, oh, my goodness. But that I was know. unbelievable, obviously. And most of the city was asleep when all that happened. Correct. They were all texting me the ne- <laughs> or emailing me the next day at Channel 6 going, can you replay the fourth quarter tonight? I know. Um, Mike, I will see you later this week. And if you, we are, I, I, hopefully you're coming to a dinner that I'm part of for the old Robin Miller Memorial annual dinner put on by Bill Benner. And if that's the case and you ask me for extra sauce to pass down, I'm going to say to hell with you. (laughs) There we go. Six o'clock tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Would not miss it. All right. I agree. It's an honor to be there. Mike, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you. Talk to you guys later. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Okay, so Dustin Dopierak of the Indianapolis Star, I had mentioned the fact that I was just in Milwaukee and couldn't tell what time it was because it got dark at... <laughs> three o'clock in the afternoon uh he's gonna have no idea what time it is because he's been in three time zones in in like 12 hours is that right dustin <laughs> well kind of i mean uh like like 20 i didn't spend any time in the central or uh mountain time zone other than flying through it because uh, vegas is in pacific uh my uh layover was in los angeles and it was also in pacific and now I, i'm now in fully in eastern time but i did get back to Indy for a little bit yesterday, and now I'm in Detroit. Okay, so it's going to be Central Time in Milwaukee, and then yes, by the end of this week, I will have no idea what day or time it is. By the way, I, I guess if you have to go from playing in an in-season tournament championship game that is a disappointing loss in Las Vegas, and then fly all the way to play a Monday night game, and it's got to be away from home, Detroit would be the team you would pick to have it against, right? But is it a trap game? Sure. Oh, it's 100% a trap game. <laughs> it's like the definition of a trap game. I mean, so I, I mean, obviously they're really, really struggling. I think they've lost 19 in a row. So on some level, uh, you'd like to have it be somebody that you could conceivably beat. Um, and I would consider them, you know, heavy underdogs if they were beating anybody else that, that was functional. But, I mean, obviously Detroit's got talent. I mean, they're just extremely young, and they don't have it all together yet, and they don't have any depth. 
but obviously, I mean, they've picked in the top five, I think, each of the last four years, you know, like top seven into the last five or so. You know, Cade Cunningham's a heck of a player. Cade Nivey's a heck of a player. They are missing Jalen Duren's out. Uh, Marvin Bagley's doubtful. I mean, that's the, the helpful thing is they've got nothing inside for you, uh, where if you, if you face him at full strength, you got to deal with Duran and then he's still a problem. Um, so you have some opportunity to, to take advantage of that. You figure, you know, Miles Turner will probably be motivated after he didn't have a, a great game on Saturday to stick it to whoever Detroit's throwing in there. Um, so that gives you, I think, a pretty good opportunity. But I mean, yeah, it's going to be a dramatic hangover. I mean, there's just no way for it not to be when you go from Vegas and they're packed and everybody's watching you and, and, you know, you're playing LeBron and, and Anthony Davis and, and all that, uh, to you're in Detroit and the only media there is me. Um, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a heck of a, just uh, an adjustment. And I think that this is obviously going to be the, the second half of the evaluation of this event is how does everybody come off of it? And, and, and do you find yourself a week later happy you were part of it? Or are you exhausted? And do you wish you, you know, does it end up being costly to you? But there's, there's no chance it won't be a hangover. It's definitely a trap game. Uh, but obviously they come in no Knowing that, uh, you know, kind of expecting that there's going to be this this dramatic crash of emotions, uh, and then you're gonna have to get, you know get back to it. And I guess it is helpful to be playing the worst team in the league. Dustin, did Miles Turner and Buddy Heald have off nights on Saturday, or did Los Angeles take them out of the equation? A little both. Uh, I mean, they, they had off nights, but I mean, obviously Anthony Davis being in the middle you know, kind of takes you out of the equation and, and they can, and they can really defend uh, all over the place. I mean, obviously Davis in the middle, and they did a really good job of switching, uh, really put, putting length on Halliburton is really where it starts. And I don't think, uh, you know, the looks are not as clean when Halliburton's having a hard time, you know, getting into any actions. Uh, they did really did a good job, good job on ball screen defense with him, uh, but really just, just starting with length there with, with Jared Vanderbilt, who I thought did a fantastic job uh, of bottling him up. I and mean, I can't say what all, but he should have got or shouldn't have got, um, you know, I mean, like there, there's obviously an off night piece, but there were, there were makeable shots in there uh, that he gets, you know, 40% of the time. And that's, that's what makes him one of the greatest shooters ever is that, you know, he's hitting those 40%, but he's not hitting them every single time. Um, but, I mean, they obviously knew that Buddy can shoot. They obviously went into that aware of that. I mean, the franchise has been watching these guys for years, certainly. There's been so many trade rumors uh, involving those two going to the Lakers. So they knew what they were in for. Uh, and, you know, they, they, you know, made sure there was a defense there to stop what they want to do. I had said earlier, Dustin, and I want kind of the post-game locker room tenor, if you will, as to whether or not this was even brought up, discussed, whatever else. The real value, and I realize that Saturday night while the Lakers are out there and there's confetti falling and there's trophies and interviews and everything else, it was hard to grasp this if you were a Pacer player. But the real value in the in-season tournament for Indiana was it gave players on a team that wouldn't normally have the experience to understand it until they're there the tangible evidence that the elevation of play, and in particular the elevation of defensive intensity against you, goes up. You know, it's just big time in the postseason. And you saw it on Saturday. Do you think the Pacers grasped that in that moment? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, particular the person that you really, really need to grasp it. 
certainly grasped it, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and obviously, I mean, this is this is kind of his first you know playoff stuff, and he's been very you know open about acknowledging that fact that he's never played for anything. I mean, he's he's used that exact line um, you know just so many times over the course of this event, saying like I'm going after this because I've never won anything real. I've never played in a playoff game. You know, I am trying to get this out of that. Like this is my intent. And you know, then he was asked about it afterwards. Like I I need to learn something. I need, I need to take something out of this. I noticed you know what they did, the amount of length, the amount of bodies that they were deal- throwing at me, and uh, you know I got to really get used to that. I mean, he's obviously always the focal point in the scouting report, but I think he—I don't—I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say he was taken aback, but it was just like, wow, there's a lot of length coming at me, and they're—they're they're throwing a guy who's what Vanderbilt's what six eight six nine uh, on the primary assignment, and they're bringing you know making sure they've got long bodies on switches at every point in time, and obviously there's just the simple fact that when you're running a one five ball screen against the uh, the Lakers, the guy on the other side of that is Anthony Davis, and he's as good as there is when he really wants to be uh, at taking you out of that. You know, with Bam the Adebayo being one of the other ones who, who he's you know who's always who also has been a problem uh, for Halliburton in the past. So, so it was definitely he was certainly aware and, and brought that up himself. Of you know, I, I need to you know be aware that this is how it's going to be uh, if we get to the playoffs. They're going to throw all kinds of things at me, and, and he knows that generally. And, and Halliburton again is as smart of a basketball mind as there is, especially for a 23 year old guy. But uh, he certainly knew that. I think the other guys uh, that we had a chance to talk to certainly knew that. I mean, they, they cleared out pretty fast, and we mostly got guys at the podium. But you know, Aaron Neesmith was aware of that as well. That this is a different, uh, you know, level of intensity, um, and they all, I think, had a sense that this this was something that you can take with you and say, you know, this is what it's going to look like if you get to April and get to May and you're still standing. Uh, this is how teams are going to come at you. This is what the intensity is going to be like. This is what the you know change in, in defensive strategy is going to be like. It's just not going to be exactly like what it is uh, for most of the rest of the year. Hey, Dustin, it's Brendan, and even though the Pacers get out-rebounded by 25, I know AD had a big role in that, but how much does Jalen Smith being on the floor, if he was, change, if anything? I mean, it, it, it matters. It, it definitely would have mattered. I don't know if it wins the game or not. I don't know if I'd go that far, certainly. But, you know, I mean, they definitely notice uh, his absence. I mean, he's, he's been rebounding the ball fantastically well. I mean, I think he's still, uh, per 36, I think he's he's their, their best rebounder. I think he's, he's still above, uh, you know, Miles Turner's average, if I'm not mistaken, if you're looking at per 36 minutes. Um, so per minute, basically. But, I mean, that's you, you see the list of it being per 36. And so, uh, you know, that, that makes a difference. I mean, it, he, is a, he, he, is, he has played very very strong and physical this season. He's an excellent rebounder. He's a pretty good shot blocker. He's another just big body that you can throw in there. Um, you know, you go, you know, Isaiah Jackson's a really athletic guy and he's been, you know, productive uh, defending and rebounding. So I, I, there's no, you know, you shouldn't diminish what he has brought as a backup center uh, at all. But having, it matters to have the third body too, um, just to have the number of fouls, especially when guys are coming at you as the Lakers were and, and as the Bucks were. And when you're dealing with these bigger front courts, uh, you know, and guys that are really good at drawing fouls, um, you know, basically having the third guy uh, is really, really helpful regardless of who he is. Because when you get deeper and you've got to throw top and to take in whatever minutes uh, are left, if you've got to take uh, you know Turner and Jackson on the floor to make sure, off the floor to make sure they don't foul out, um, you know, Toppin's been fine, I think, uh, overall. But you know, you'd, you'd rather have somebody like Jalen Smith taking out those minutes uh, at the five or Jackson really being the third guy uh, than you would otherwise. And he's, I mean, obviously Jalen's been shooting the ball absurdly well. I mean, I think he's still at you know right around. Seven Seventy percent, I think, uh, you know, field goal percentage, and right around made like right around two thirds of his threes. He's not taking a ton of them, but he's hitting the one he gets. Uh, he's been really, really productive, and so you know, just having that kind of production missing from the bench, uh, you know, definitely stung. 
I'm not saying that these guys grow on trees because they don't. But if if you were able to snap your fingers for this team, Dustin, and get the Pacers the player they most need, would it be a long armed like six seven defending wing? Or would it be a brute, muscular, low post, like four or five combo guy that, quite frankly, is just kind of a badass underneath? The first one. Uh, the first one. I mean, they need they need perimeter defense. It's got to be somebody that can defend on the perimeter. The second thing's fine too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they they, they could use one, but I mean, they had a big, wide bodied guy in Daniel Tice who never played. Um, and so, you know, basically got into one game all year. Obviously, they're trying to play fast with this. They're committed uh, to that style, and they need someone who's going to run. Um, and, and they could use someone who's also athletic and, and you know, badass, as you mentioned. But um, most importantly, they, they need a guy who's a big, long wing. I mean, they need someone who's also physical in that mold. I mean, they could use a, a really strong physical four man who can run and score and defend, you know, reasonably well one through four and, and be able to defend the first or second best player uh, on the perimeter. I mean, they, they need somebody like that. I mean, obviously that's why they're looking at, you know, you presume that they're in the Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, you know, uh, conversation that, that if, if one of those two guys get moved, the Pacers are at least going to have inquired uh, and inquired frequently uh, about those two. So, so guys like that, I mean, there, there are a bunch of those that were sort of presumed to be on the market that didn't go anywhere uh, in the off season, Jeremy Grant being one of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you were to snap your fingers and look for someone like that, it's someone like that. I think they still need um, that they could use a, a guy who functions as kind of a, the, the number two perimeter scoring option and if they could get, get that be could that be a guy who's a longer, you know, power forward type who can really defend? I, I think that's the that's the prototype that you would want to put, put along with this group right now. Dustin, the the guy that I'm like I flip flop on, admittedly. I, I I can't make up my mind, okay? Let me mm-hmm. let me explain to you a player. You tell me which player it is, okay? Sure. There is a player for the Pacers that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm convinced he is a cornerstone build-around piece. On Tuesday and Thursday, I'm convinced we've seen his ceiling, but others might not have, so he is a piece you can use in trade negotiations for leverage. Who am I talking about? You're talking about Benedict Matherin. hundred <laughs> percent. And, and here's the thing. Like that game against the Lakers, you know, he, he showed a little bit of that dog that he has in him where he's not afraid of people. But I feel like his outside shot has not been consistent enough and his defense has not elevated to the level where they'd like it to be. I, I don't know this, but I just it, it feels that way and that he could be a piece. You don't want to move on him too early, but do they have a good idea who he is? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I think that's that's just the, the tough call about it. Is it you're, you're constantly concerned when you're looking at him and it's like, okay, but what if I'm wrong and he's Kobe Bryant? You know, like, and, and obviously that's overplaying, and I'm not saying that he is or is, is even going to be, you know, close to that. But like, what if I'm wrong and he's an All NBA wing in like three years, and I passed, you know, and, and and I passed him up and I traded him away. I think that's the thing that, that you keep thinking about. And obviously, like you said, I mean, the, I mean, what's he shooting? Like 32 percent from three point range, somewhere in that line. Uh, might be worse than that today. I mean, 
um, it's just, you know, you're just like, okay, like the, the three doesn't go down consistently, you know, in it, he's a weird fit, you know, with Halliburton, the way that they play, because I mean, they play so fast and it's like, he's sort of at his best when he gets to like really kind of set somebody up, uh, you know, and kind of take his time, you know, just it, and get in an isolation situation and really cook somebody up uh, on the perimeter. And it's like the way the, the speed with which they move, you're like, okay, like did these two, does this make any sense? Because it's just like Halliburton is moving the ball so fast. It's like, he's almost like at his best, like accelerated with guys who don't need to have the ball very much in terms of time. It's just get, you know, guys like buddy who just need to just have the ball in the hand and then shoot it. Um, and so like the, those two, you know, he and Heald have been just phenomenally effective together. And it's in part because buddy just runs around, creates gravity or someone leaves him alone. He can stick that three at any point in time where Mather and he's sort of, you know, he's very, very good at getting to the rim and finishing. Um, and so, you know, like, but it sort of, sort of needs that opportunity to kind of jab step at somebody, you know, just mess around with somebody in an isolation situation and get to them eventually or dribble at a couple of guys and get fouled. Um, and it ends up slowing things down for the incredible speed with which they're moving. So it's just like an awkward deal. But I mean, I, I think, I think he's going to be a really good player in the league. You know, I, I still think that's the case. I and mean, he's just dogged, determined, driven, and, you know, just plays with a, a lot of ferocity. And I think that's certainly going to get him somewhs you know, I, I think if you if you do move them, there are still going to be occasions when you regret it. Um, but depending on the return, you might you might not regret it so much. But I, mean, I, I think he can be a better defender. They certainly want him to be more consistent, and they have seen really good flashes of that. He certainly has the physical capability to be a really good defender. You know, still has to kind of piece some things together in terms of knowing where he's supposed to be. But when he really wants to guard somebody, he really can. Um, and so I, you know, to, to your point, you're like sometimes you're like, okay, you cannot move that guy, and sometimes you're like, well, maybe he could, um, but. But, I mean, obviously, the big thing is is that, that he's certainly only usable for something in a major, major return. You're, you're not, um, you know, obviously, if he gets you a, a, a Siakam or something like that, a major all-star, you know, like you're not in the, okay, well, he's untouchable phase. I'm not, you know, going after a guy like that with him. I, I think you've reached the point that you say, okay, like I'm, I'm not that afraid of it, that I'm afraid of packaging him in with, uh, you know, somebody else and getting a, an established great player on a team that's, that's you know, trying to throw away throw games guys a way to rebuild um but you know you're you're not you're also not rushing to throw him away either you're, you're not trying to um just you, you know just abort this mission as much as possible you still see those moments when you know just the the finishes at the rim are still just you know the athleticism the skill i mean it just stands out that like you're like that's still a really productive player in the nba okay player number two of guess that player okay at mm-hmm. one time it was thought that this player's primary contribution to the build of the Pacers was he was going to be a piece that was going to be leveraged for other pieces to come in. But as time has gone on, you have realized his value is perhaps higher than was initially thought. And even though you try to kind of stave him out, he shows more and more that he's got to be there. And when he's not, things don't go well. That player is? Um, TJ. Okay, I would agree on TJ McConnell, uh, especially on the latter part. Um, yeah, I don't think TJ McConnell is going anywhere. I think TJ McConnell will finish his career involved with the Pacers. Truth be told, um, but mm-hmm. I, Buddy Heald was the guy I was going with because I think at the beginning right. of the year we thought, okay, you know, he's an older player, not not old, but for this roster, mm-hmm. he's an older player, right? But and, and I think he was really smart to turn down the extension offer because he is. Started even that game, he doesn't have a great game, and you realize that it's really hard for them to win when he's not out there having a great game. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's 100% true. Yeah, so I mean, basically, I was thinking Buddy most of the time, and I sort of leaned TJ towards the end. Um, but no, I mean, he, he definitely, no doubt about it, I mean, he's absolutely made, uh, you know, shown off, I think, his value. And, and he's not even necessarily having as good of a year as he had last year, but you're just reminded just what how good the fit is uh, with Halliburton. Um, one, because, I mean, the chemistry is really, really good, but it's just, in terms of just how the, the, the floor is spaced when Buddy's out there, what it allows Halliburton to do, um, and just how much it opens up the middle of the floor, you know, just how much it creates space. Um, and so even if you're going to, you know, contribute a lot of uh, bodies to Halliburton, if Buddy's on, you're going to get burned by that. Um, if, if you're, you know, just daring to sink somebody off of him um it, it just you know it, it creates a problem for you and so he's still i mean i think he i'm looking at his basketball reference page and he's down to 38.8 percent from three where he was 42.5 before um but it's still you know a guy that's just just can knock them down and he's had stretches i think in the season where he's really been lights out um and so yeah no it he just makes a huge difference and, and having a shooter of that caliber that you can pair next to Halliburton is such a big deal um and just it, it just the those two pieces just work phenomenally well together and so yeah they're gonna they would be uh it would if they do decide to move him uh if they were to decide to say okay well the only way that you're going to get something is to give up something and you've got to give up buddy because you're down to one more year on his contract and you don't know if you can assign him um you know like they're going to have to get a big return and they're going to have to get a shooter because i mean i think it's just it, it to make this whole thing work you have to have a guy who can really really shoot threes and they've got good shooters other than buddy but they don't have a great one other than buddy um uh, you know around halliburton obviously halliburton is a great shooter himself um but in terms of space in the floor for halliburton to operate you need one more guy that can really knock it down and, and buddy's proven that he's still that guy and he can be that guy for a long long time dustin my last question on the in season tournament stuff is just after soaking it all in and digesting it, whether it's on the court, travel, coverage, whatever, anything on your mind that you would change? I'm going to be, well, this first off is that you shouldn't be, have a plan to play the finals on Saturday in Vegas and have a game on Monday. Um, you know, I know the, I know the Lakers don't, um, and I haven't looked at the schedule. I, I know that it stands out who's not playing today. Um, that there was sort of a presumption on the part of the league uh, that certain teams were going to be here, and one of them was not the Indiana Pacers, which, you know, it's fair because I certainly didn't think they were going to be there. Um, but all the same, uh, you you got to make sure that I think that there's a little bit more give here um, between uh, – because you're going to jump right back into this thing, and I think that's going to be – you know, this is going to be the second major part of the evaluation um, is just what the effect is going to be like, um, you know, how it's going to affect the Pacers, how it's going to affect the Lakers, how it's going to affect everybody else who was involved um just what kind of like if you ultimately feel if, if the teams that played in the finals ultimately feel like it was you know more of a problem because of the extra game that you had to play because of the extra travel time because of just how it messed with your overall schedule uh that, that it's like do you really want to be in the finals next year do you really want to play for that um then then that's that is something they definitely don't want um so that i think is really important and to say okay well you better you know have build in some more cushion um you know, basically just, you know, for anybody who might be playing the championship, I don't know if that means, I, I, I don't think you can flex any games out. 
um, in terms of saying, okay, well, it could be Monday or Tuesday. I don't think you can really do that um, for just all kind of travel planning and people, you know, buying tickets for games and all that kind of thing. But I think there there should probably be something. A, a lot of study has to be put into what happens next because I think that's ultimately going to determine whether you continue to get buy-in um, from these teams. You know, it's, it's again, it's, I, I think they were plenty motivated to go out and try to win it to get to Vegas to get to, you know, make money for themselves, make money for their teammates who don't make as much. Um, so you clearly saw a motivated league after this thing, but it's just there cannot be a you know, a major cost associated with it that makes you wonder if it's really worth it uh, at the end of the year because it takes you so long to recover. So I think that's going to be key. Other than that, I mean, I imagine there will be something people probably won't like um, – the fact that point differential was a part of uh, the you know tiebreakers for group play, I imagine they'll change that because uh, I think there were probably was going to be enough complaining about that. Um, I was more okay with the courts than most people, I think, uh, particularly the Pacers ones. I thought that I thought that was all right. Um, you obviously got to make sure that they're not you know do more to make sure they're not as slippy as they are in game one. Um, you know, and obviously the Pacers managed to do a pretty good job of that. So it wasn't like a skating rink after that. But I think, I mean, I, for the most part, considering what it was, thought it did pretty well. I mean, I didn't have super high expectations for it. that it at least met uh, or, or, you know, succeeded whatever expectations I had. So I thought they did a lot of things well, but I think this next part uh, is going to be a really critical piece for it. Here's the thing that the super weird and one mixed tournament, floor painting designs did okay Mm. i also thought they were hokey there was one of them i think it was in it was one oh it was in atlanta the atlanta floor was like this weird light blue where if you were watching on tv it was like watching a 1978 atari basketball game where like the little electronic guys just disappeared at times Mm -hmm. um but if now that we've gone through it and now that the sports fans of the United States have gone through the in-season tournament, you're walking through a bar on a Saturday night, and it's a close game, and you look, you just happen to look up at the TV, you instantly know it's a tournament game now. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. like That's a one-point game. You walk past the TV, and it's a one-point game with two minutes to go between the Suns and the Blazers, and you live in Wichita. You're like, yeah, okay. But you walk mm-hmm. past now, and you go, oh, wait, it's one of those tournament games. That's kind of cool. It's you know yeah. it's like watching the first round of the NCAA tournament, right? And I know Halliburton mm-hmm. said, "Look, this isn't the NCAA tournament because guys aren't graduating. Like we got to play again in two days." But right. I, I think Dustin, I have to remind myself a lot of times that the the target audience that it's going after at times is not necessarily like the three of us, right? Because we watch the sure. games anyway. So in that mm-hmm. regard, I get it. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I thought it was cool. I guess the better question would be this. There was a there was seemingly a lot of hype, especially in Indianapolis. There was a lot of excitement. Was the rest of the country excited about it? Were there people in Chicago that were like, "Hey, man, the the finals of the in season tournament tonight's on ABC between the Pacers and the Lakers"? And would it have had the same generating buzz amongst talking heads had it been the Pacers and Sacramento? Mm. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's definitely those are all good questions. I think obviously. It, it, a big part of Indiana caring about was then deciding, okay, this is a thing for us. You know, this is a this is a situation we have not been in before, so we're going to take advantage of this. And Carlisle has kind of said this in the past, be like he keeps he, he uses the playoff environment on a lot of different cases to say, hey, we haven't been here before. We're trying to force this, and so there was really a, a full tilt organizational buy-in on that that they then tried to pitch and say and. Pitch, 
turn that outward uh, to the city. And as they advanced, it was like it, it gave you something to buy into for a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in a few years. And it was just sort of like reminding everybody what that's like, what, are, what it's like for everybody to really rally around a team and care about a game, uh, you know, in, on an individual you know basis in the middle of December. And so, yeah, no, I think that I'm sure there were cities where it wasn't as big of a deal, certainly if your team's not, you know, never really had a chance uh they're probably less interested in it but i mean i think it allows you to get involved quick as opposed to you know like if, if you're a team that's just gonna make the playoffs for the first time maybe you get eliminated and then there's still a whole month worth of playoffs um you know how bought in are you um but it's like i think this event because it was so short so quick it allowed people to kind of get invested in a, on a short scale like you do at the ncaa tournament i think i mean i brought that up as a question for those guys um, in general, and as you mentioned, you know nobody's graduating, and he, he used a word that they did not put uh, in the uh, in the transcript for that. But like you know, I, I, but that was I think the similar piece of it was being able to to you know narrow it down to one game and get everybody focused for a day, uh, you know, kind of like you do in the tournament. And so yeah, I, I think I'm sure there were places where it didn't really resonate. Um, but I think, again, because the Lakers were in it, it, it certainly resonated more, um, you know, overall nationally, you know, getting Milwaukee in there as well, getting Giannis in there. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was ended up being a good split on the final four where you had to, kind of two upstarts and then you had two kind of titans of the league and, and LeBron and Giannis on either side of the thing. Um, so it, it, there were a lot of things that worked out well from a team standpoint that you got some kind of Cinderella action going on, uh, you know, with the Pacers, a team that decided it was really going to care about it because of, of its recent history and then having, you know, the, the most recognizable player in the league, uh, you know, come out and take it seriously and go out and take three charges in the semifinals in the game they won by 40. Um, you know, they, they got, I think, the right amount of buy-in, the right teams in it to, to carry uh, the national attention, uh, you know, just through the weekend, you know, at, you know, at a time when you're kind of battling for eyes with, you know, the, it's not a whole college football weekend. It's the Heisman Trophy and Army Navy. You know, they were in a good spot to grab attention. Um, and I think that they got a lot of things to come together to make it work. We should have had everybody put on little paper glasses with the little weird lenses on them because it is 3D, <laughs> right? This entire discussion is 3D because it's right. Dustin Dopierak in Detroit, right? Exactly. All right. Nicely that. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, yeah. Dustin, appreciate the time as always, and uh, enjoy that game tonight. We'll see if Indiana can not get caught in the trap game tonight, but we will certainly be looking for the coverage at the Indianapolis Star. Exactly. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate Thank it, you. Dustin.